All right. Welcome, everybody, to episode 13 of the PPC podcast. A very special episode. Um, we have several guests with us. Uh, today, we have uh, Tobin, as we often do. And we're also joined by Mindy. Hi, Mindy. Hey. Mindy is our children's director. And um, she's on here because the three of us, uh, two weeks ago, went to Tijuana on uh, the Global Immersion trip. And uh, we wanted to have some space and some time to talk about our experience, uh, really share our experience with, with you guys, with the church, um, in a casual way, in a way that uh, we can reflect off each other, because we, we haven't really had a time to talk about it, right? No, no. Yeah, yeah we, I don't know if we thought we would, but... I think we thought we would, we would but um, here we are 10 days later. <laughs> I'm not sure I've even slept since we got back. So. I know, it's been, the level of business at PPC has been way too dang high, uh, but that's getting ready for summer, so we're excited. Um, so this is the time and space we're going to debrief. And so it'll be raw and real and it'll be as it is what it is. So Mindy, um, this is your second time on the trip, right? Right. So why don't you, um, just because you're 50% more experienced in global immersion trips than we are, uh, you're the de facto expert. So why don't you share with us to the best of your ability a little bit, what is the global immersion project? Um, you know, kind of maybe where did it come from? And uh, what are these trips all about? And uh, why do they offer these kinds of trips? Um, sure. So the Global Immersion Project is an organization that was co-founded by John Huckins and Jer Swigert. I don't know if I really am qualified to tell their story, but from what I understand, um, they were both students at Fuller Seminary. And um, through their experience there, they recognize the value in um, teaching peacemaking, especially within the, the Christian community. And so they founded this organization, the Global Immersion Project. And according to their website, it's a peacemaking organization, or I'm sorry, a peacemaking training organization that exists to renovate and activate the U.S. American church as an instrument of peace. So um, a little over a year ago, I was invited to join a group on this trip, on the the immigrants' journey immersion trip to the Tijuana San Diego border, and um, I really I entered into that experience not really knowing what to expect. Um, I had had experience working in the immigrant community here in Orange County, California, but <clears throat> excuse me, but I I just entered into this experience with an open heart and just um, not knowing what to expect and. We, um, my heart was crushed in the best way um, possible. Uh, I thought I understood, or I thought I had a pretty good understanding of the immigration system and what people experienced here, especially in Southern, Southern California. But once I um, went on that trip, I realized I didn't even have, I, I barely knew anything uh, we had an experience or an opportunity to uh, sleep in a deportation shelter, uh, meet with various peacemakers, um, working on the border, working directly with immigrants, some who had just been deported. And so um, that really uh, opened up my heart and, and kind of boosted my passion for working with immigrants today. Hmm, yeah, I think that's a good. Uh, I think that's a good uh, synopsis. One of the things that they reminded us is that uh, we're not here to serve. We're not here to work. And so, what you describe, the best way that I could describe it, it's it's almost like 
kind of like church consulting and experiencing experiences. They're just going to bring people from the church. And while we're there, they said, all we are is a learning community. Mm-hmm. And so you just go to learn um, about a specific, um, I guess, issue or specific, uh, specific uh, uh, cultural phenomenon that's happening uh, with different people and go and experience and learn. Right. Yeah. And they, they really this this particular trip um, on the U.S.-Mexico border, um, they really focus on peacemaking through the lens of immigration. And um, you, y'all can learn more about it if you buy um, John Huckins and Jer Swigert's book. It's called Mending the Divides. It's and an this inc- podcast brought to you by just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a really incredible book, um, Mending the Divides, and it really um, breaks down their their experiences with this peacemaking journey that they're on. Um, and they, they you want me to get into the four practices of peacemaking? That'd be a great, now? great synopsis. Yeah. yeah. So they, um, John and Jer have uh, developed a really incredible, very tangible um, path towards peacemaking. And um, those four, the four steps are see, immerse, contend, and restore. And, um, they, they describe all of this in the book, but I just briefly, I can explain that um, so many of us, especially um, I think those of us who are within the church or who are follower, followers of Jesus, we are so quick, or I'll just speak for myself. I've been so quick to identify a problem or a conflict and to jump and try to fix it and to try to contend without truly Um, seeing why the conflict exists, who is involved in it, um, and without immersing myself in the conflict, um, without relationship. And so um, this peacemaking practice of see, immerse, contend, and restore, like the see really encourages you to stop and to not jump to try to fix the problem, but to as they say, see the things that we've been trained not to see. And um, then immerse is involves relationship and entering into conflict. We're so um, we're so afraid of conflict, aren't we? And we're so um, conditioned to avoid it and to keep the peace, but not create peace out of conflict. And so um, that's where uh, immerse comes in to actually, through relationships, immerse into conflict and then contend. Once we've seen and immersed, then that's where the opportunity to contend takes place. And as they they describe it, um, contend is to stand in the way of anything that will be a bulldozer or that will bulldoze over anybody. And so, um, and then restore comes at the end and we have to be patient for that. We, you know, restoration is what happens Um through the Holy Spirit. And so um, that's basically what the the four peacemaking practices are that they have developed. And yeah, really and we beautiful. talked about those throughout the week, and it gave us a great way to ground our, our learning. And if you're curious about kind of the purpose of the trip, they said we'll be doing mostly seeing, mm-hmm. some immersing, and that's pretty much it. Um, right. They didn't want us to want to act and to serve or contend, which is stand beside someone. Well, we didn't have those relationships. So we didn't have the, um, we weren't invited to do that. We didn't have that kind of connection with the individuals. And so even immersing, I mean, we were there 24 hours. So 
are we really even immersing? Immersing sounds like, right. you know, you've committed your life to being involved in that. So, mm-hmm. and that's okay. They said, we just want you to see a little bit of immersing and then learn from that. So I think we're so quick to jump to the finished product, yep. you know, it's like the, it's like go build a house and then hopefully it's done by the time you leave. So you can say that, uh, that you completed something. Yes. Um, okay. So let's share a little bit. Um, Mindy, I know that you've shared a little bit, so I know that I would end with Tobin, but let's go to Tobin now because we can hear from him. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience. I think what would be interesting for a lot of people is, um, maybe what surprised you and, um, maybe in context, a little bit of the learning that we did, kind of what Mindy shared. Um, how did that shape, uh, your experience there? And also how did that shape kind of where you're at right now? Thanks, Garrick. Uh, yeah, a few, a few initial thoughts and these are still being formulated, right? Um, the, the model they give us, the schema, the paradigm, the framework, uh, see, immerse, contend, restore. Um, I really like to see and immerse because uh, so often in, in my own life, I'm like Mindy. I see a problem. I want to fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to dive right into. I want to dive right into that last piece, and this really wasn't about that. It was see, um, and just what notice what you're noticing. Don't judge it. Just notice what you've noticed. So, we spent time talking to border agents uh, early on and getting their perspective. We spent you know. We spent time hearing stories of folks who were migrating up from the South and trying to seek asylum into the United States and understanding what the five criteria for becoming, uh, for achieving asylum status. We saw folks uh, moving from the North down to the South and being returned back, you know, across the border and just entering into those stories. Um, so I was I was struck by the sudden nature of the ones moving from north to south and how disruptive for the whole family it really is. I mean, it, it tears parents and children apart almost in uh, for the unforeseeable future. Mm. And you can't help but think of your own family that way. Um, so it was, it was really heart-wrenching. And then those who are trying to flee violence, uh, gang violence, a lot of gang violence in, in other parts of the world, and not just Central America. There were there were folks that were migrating uh, from Haiti as a result of the earthquake years ago. So the the, the storyline isn't always what we think it is. Hmm. So being able to break through and catch the the multitude of stories and how heartbreaking those are. Uh, you know, it's funny, um, two, two things always emerge when we start talking about this topic. One was in, when we were down on the trip, people were beforehand, they would say, what are you going to go do down there? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the point? Uh, and I, I knew enough to know that we were going to go and see it and hear stories mm-hmm. and that should be enough. Um, because really, when I read when I read Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called right children of God. Then the other question too, when you talk about this topic, is why are you why are you bringing politics into the church? Which is fascinating because I can assure you all in this room and those that are listening, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I really want to say when people ask me that question is, and you can quote me on this, I'm not. Why are you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because this isn't 
it's not a political thing. This is a people thing. Mm-hmm. That's and and that's the point. The point is that it's not about politics. It's about listening to the stories of people uh, and entering in with compassion, uh, regardless of one's politics. So to me, it's it's an issue of discipleship. You know, it's an issue of following following the kingdom of God. Uh, and if anything, that's its own politic. The kingdom of God is is an alternative politic to. Republican, Democrat, Independent, Conservative. I'm more interested in what does it mean to follow Jesus uh, with these people in this Zitzimleben, you know, the situation in life, and and what's the most compassionate, godly thing to be and do, and that's not political. That's people. Um, but it's an interesting conversation because immediately everybody defaults to all these kind of issues that are that are highly complex and see it through their through their frame. And that was the whole point of the trip, to suspend everything that you think you know about everything and just be willing to go, you know, kind of as a learner again and go as a learner for the first time. Maybe I can see Jesus through the eyes of these people in a new way again for the first time. So uh, I would wish everyone would have an experience like this because it, it radically alters the way in which one views another human being. Hmm. Um, let's see, what else? Um, I was really struck, so I was struck by a gentleman who was removed from his family uh, in the Southern California area and, and brought back. I was also struck by uh, a gal who was recently separated and staying in a women's shelter. Uh, trying to figure out how she would ever be reunited with her her two children. And all the decisions that she had before her really sucked. I mean they were they were crummy. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a good there wasn't a good decision. It's like, what's the best of all these four or five really crummy decisions? And and even in that, what's the most loving thing to do for my kids that's not selfish? I got nothing. Mm. And to be able to enter in, and, and and the folks down there are doing really amazing work and some really good things. And interestingly enough, the Catholic Church has done uh, quite a bit. I, I I actually think the Reformed churches should be reformed from the Reformation and learn a little bit more from the Catholic Church. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, go back to some of the things that they've always done really well because the you know the church has always been the place for education and medicine and uh, care of all those common things. I mean, the church is responsible for schools and hospitals around the world, uh, including here in the United States and even universities. Uh, originally, I think Princeton was the first university in the United States and it was established and set up to train pastors in the new world. Hmm. So you can thank the church every time you go to a hospital because that's the legacy in, you know, in that, that respect. I'm monopolizing the time. Do you guys want to jump in? Because there was one other thing that was really fascinating. One of the days we talked to a guy who was, who was, um, he was a teacher, an ag teacher, and he established a, a neighborhood garden at an orphanage. And he sat with us out in the garden as a symbol of hope and a sign of hope and talked about the difficulty with vertical charity, which, mm. which really captured my imagination. And I think it captured many in our group as well who have hubbed themselves in more established churches over the decades uh, and how difficult that is um, 
to be a, a way to help people in the long run because it's it, it really it really devalues the other person's value as a human being it, and and uh, so he was really questioning vertical charity mm-hmm. uh, because if you if you show up with all your goods for 35 years and that's what you continue to do it calls into question is this really working um, because what's happening in the church in the United States, even in urban areas like I, like our own, uh, is it's more of a holistic approach where it's not just a hand out, it's a hand up where you literally go shoulder to shoulder with, with people in your neighborhood. And uh, it's, a, it's a holistic, slower uh, scenario. Now, there's, there's still good reason for uh, relief work. I mean, every once in a while, you do need to just drop food somewhere. You need to bring clothes. You need water. Um, but that's the short-term fix. The longer-term fix is, is really working with the neighborhood to develop themselves mm-hmm. so that you work yourself out of a job. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a really good, a good message uh, for me to hear. And then there's a, lot of, there's a lot of power dynamics implicit in that, too, that need to be unpacked. So I could go on for a long time. I'm not going to do it. Uh, I'm going to quiet myself now. No, that was good. Uh, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Uh, all that stuff was really powerful. Um, yeah, when we learned at the orphanage, do you remember his name? Uh, Samuel. That was Samuel. Samuel, yeah. yeah. Was, and it yeah. was that was super powerful, I think, um, because for the first time in the trip, um, we really could reflect on some of our own, not just thoughts, but actions. Mm-hmm. In all of our history of being at churches and mission trips, reflect on our own actions and our heart um, about how we came to, to different regions and countries and places and served and where was our heart right was it right. was it in a was it just like to make ourselves feel better the simple fact that we're going to an orphanage and not allowed to see the children spoke volumes into how much they valued transformation not just quick emotional connections and disconnections so uh, i think that was a surprising to me surprisingly powerful moment um you know it while it was wasn't necessarily as raw and emotional it was something to reflect a lot on as we as we left um for me um a lot of the things that surprised me and tobin you kind of mentioned it is being in that state of like there aren't any good decisions left for this person or any ways that this could get better um maybe in the long term maybe we're glad that you're here at this shelter but like i don't know i can't help you we can't help you an entire church and entire group of people like we can't end your suffering Mm. and that is a hard place to be um for us and definitely for our culture and american culture um man we like to go into places and solve problems and fix things Mm. build wells so they have water and they're no longer you know dying from not having water let's and then there's moments every single day every that there's there is no i mean the solution is is almost political and, and reform and and so long and lengthy and uh, litigious that it's like I don't I can't I don't know what I can do you know other than just yeah. sit in this moment with you and let my emotions um, experience this and uh, and feel a little bit deeper about these individuals and I think that um, to me really resonated when we came back we spoke to a DACA student um, and to to a dreamer who she had this she talked for about two minutes of the disappointment in her youth group. And, um, gosh, that was so, that was so convicting for me. She said, um, her friends would come up to her and say, you know, Oh, 
uh, I'm so sorry this is you're going through this. This is kind of when it, the, the DACA ended. Um, I'm going to be praying for you. Is there anything else I could do? And mm-hmm. she said, no, it's too late. Where, where were you when, when I was out there protesting the end of that? Where were you where you could have at least done some research into the news to see what was happening with my legal status? You were just doing your own thing, and yet you call yourself my friend and my church, and yet you left me alone uh, to deal with these things by myself. Um, right? Mm. Like super convicting on what it is that we do to help those in our own community or, or our friends. Yeah. Because it doesn't literally does not affect us. You know, she said her friends would just, she asked them what do they think about this new decision on DACA, and they had no clue, and yet one of their closest friends would be affected by that. How crushing would that to her? That they, to her, for her perspective, they didn't even care enough to read a, new, a news article on their phone to familiarize themselves with what's happening to their mm-hmm. close friend. And that kind of, to me, that's kind of the same feeling I had is that coming back from this, it helps me connect news articles and statistics about immigration and DACA to people that I met who um, not could be affected or were affected. So I might I may, may know undocumented people here um, and we're friends with them and I know them, but they're here and they probably haven't been deported yet because they're here and we're interacting and that could happen. And maybe I have some fear about that, not nearly as much as they do. But this trip taught me that there is a negative, huge negative outcome that can happen and usually people who experience that. And this is what happens when we don't step up and help them in some way. They're in the shelter, separated from their family, their children, with no phys- no foreseeable way to get reconnected. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'll think about when I see news articles and statistics, how many people cross the border, how many people get deported. You know, it's not just numbers and situations, it's people. Right, right. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm reminded these, you know, we get the stats thrown at us all the time, uh, both sides, both sides of, of really the issues. I think it was George Stalin who said, when one person dies, it's a tragedy. When a million people die, it's just a number. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point of, of going on, on moments, having moments like this, because numbers are people. People have faces. Mm-hmm. They have names and they have stories. And being able to slow life down to the point where you're able to really engage in, and, and I'll say it, it's the trauma of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just not, we're not wired that way in the United States. And it is, you know, I went in with a question, what can I do? You know, that was my burning question all the way through. What am I going to be able to do? What am I going to be able to do? Yeah. And I Are still had type it. Going yeah, I'm a type three. Thanks so much. Um, but you know, I've changed a lot already since then. And it's yeah. going to sound funny, not just being aware and being tuned in, but I even find my, I'm, I'm working really hard to every person I see, like if I'm sitting on my deck, which I never do because I'm always in the office over here, but if I'm walking down the street, if I see somebody when I'm getting in and out of my car, a neighbor, I make a really honest, sincere attempt to look them in the eye and greet them with a really big smile and say hi. Because I want them to know that I see them as a human being created in the image of God. Yeah, hmm. yeah definitely. You know, and that's, ma- that's being a peacemaker. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that realization at my age came to me because I was on this trip. Yeah. So I'd be curious, because it's such a big thing, right? It's so complex, and then oftentimes, oh, I'll throw my hands in the air, or I'll hide in the corner because I'm so depressed, mm-hmm. neither of which are good options. Mm-hmm. How, how did this change each of you coming back? Did you, have you had any moments like that where, oh, you know what? I can't do everything, but I can start here. Yeah, definitely, and, and it is so complex, and I think that we get um, so overwhelmed with the complexity of it all. Um, 
in particular with the immigration situation. Um, and, you know, I, I really believe that we as followers of Jesus were mandated to um, enter into this, the conflict, whatever it may be, and we're mandated to um, be in, in relationship with our neighbor. I mean, didn't isn't that what we're supposed to do? Love God and love our neighbor. Who is our neighbor? I think neighbor? I read that somewhere. I think I read that somewhere too. I can't remember where, but yeah. Some, yeah. And even we our enemies. Be, right? It's even our exactly. enemies. Exactly. Yeah. That's, we can love our neighbor if they're like us, but yeah. Jesus also goes on, you know, in the sermon on love your enemies. Yeah. Okay, now you're getting real personal, pal. Yeah. That's yeah. that's why it's not political. It's it's a, it's about people and being a follower of Christ. Exactly. Sorry, I cut you off. No, but it's it, okay. It I totally forgot what I was going to say, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, so so it's so complex and and you know, we tend to be so feel so overwhelmed like how can we possibly make any difference at all in this big complex broken system that we're in right now. But um, it's complex but it's also very simple in a way. I think that if we do just start with C and what does that mean? What does that mean? So for me as a mother and as a, a person, a director of children's ministry and as a person who lives in Fullerton, California, um, I am now, since I've been on this, this trip twice and I have um, kind of been surrounding myself with this, these thoughts and these teachings for the past year, um, I am trying to be intentional about who I see and how I live my life. So I am trying to, um, instead of avoid that person that I am nervous to talk to because I don't really understand them or agree with them, or um, it's just, I don't have time to deal with that right now because I've got my own life. I'm really trying to stop and realize it's not about me and um, open my eyes and truly see that person and enter in relationship with that person. And, you know, I found that um, I, I find Jesus there in those spaces. You know, that's where I, I really have found um, the love and beauty of Jesus is in those spaces that I've been afraid to enter into. Um, and yeah, yeah. That's all I got right now. Thank you. No, <laughs> I can really see, uh, your heart and the way that you empathize with people, I admire. And I think that this trip uh, definitely helped me uh, see people and uh, and allow my heart to empathize with people that I would more likely either block out or just quantify their existence as separate than mine and not significant to what I'm going through. That sounds really yeah. cold, but just, you know, like moving through my life, yeah. like I don't know them, they're a stranger. So, you know, how is that going to help each other? Um, the very moment that I got back, maybe the next day I was parking my car and uh, this is not a great story because I didn't I didn't follow through. But I was parking my car down my street, about ten houses down, and this family uh, was eating dinner in their driveway, which sounds strange, but they're like townhouses, so there's not much of a backyard. I'm like, I'm gonna go talk to them, and uh, I didn't <laughs> because by the time I pulled into the parking spot, some friends and family had pulled into their mm -hmm. driveway and they were talking and greeting. But it gave that desire, like th the people that I talked to, and the things I experienced um, in Tijuana, I could definitely go to my neighbor or 10 houses down and just introduce myself, you know, and it gave me that kind of perspective. Uh, one thing that I, I often do, but I haven't done in a while is 
you know, when someone's asking for money or usually like when they're fundraising for some ministry, like outside of Whole Foods or, or something, you know, I, I rarely have cash, but, uh, just this last weekend I said, Hey man, I just, I just want to pray for you. Tell me more about your ministry. And, um, you know, just f- four minutes, five minutes, mm-hmm. just talking and praying with somebody, um, who's just trying to connect with people is something that I will continue to do. And I think uh, it allows me to see people and open my heart and, uh, and care like Jesus did a little bit more. Right. Because right. the thing is, we're, we're really, they're no different from us. We're no different from them. We're mm-hmm. all in this together. Right. You know, before um, I went on this trip for the first time, I, I, I was down in San Diego. We hadn't crossed the border yet. And I remember sharing with the group that my biggest fear at that moment was my, leaving my kids at home. And, you know, I have three children. One of them has some some medical issues. And so that was my biggest fear, leaving my kids at home. Are they going to be okay? Are they going to miss me? Are, you know, is, is my husband going to be able to handle the schedule and get everybody where they need to be on time and everyone's going to be safe? And, you know, that changed after experiencing what I experienced. I saw, um, I saw mothers who had been separated from their children um, they, one in particular, um, Yolanda Varona, she's the founder of Dreamers Moms. Um, she was, she moved to the United States. She immigrated to the United States from Mexico, um, to, for a better life for her and for her children to, um, I believe it was actually to escape a dangerous situation in Mexico. I could be wrong on that, but she um, she made the best decision and the only decision that she knew to do, and you know to keep her children safe, and that was her priority, and that was what she was most concerned about. She came to the United States, and her children are um, DACA recipients. They so they're here, um, and they have um, papers that allow them to stay in the United States. Well, Yolanda, the mother, was deported. And so now she is in Mexico separated from her children. And I felt really horrible after, you know, realizing that my biggest fear was like, are my kids going to be safe? Because I'm going to see them in two days. But I want these two days, I want to make sure they're comfortable and safe and everywhere on time. And like, come on, like they're Yolanda was just one of thousands of mothers who are separated from their children. Her, she doesn't even get to be with them. She does not get to hug her children and kiss them at good night. She doesn't get to touch them. She doesn't get to be with them. And so um, I really realized that we're all, she's no different from me. The, mm. the, the only difference is a piece of paper that says that she's not allowed to be here in the United States. And, you know, in the kingdom of God, I don't think that piece of paper really carries that much value. And so, um, I realized that um, because we are all in this together, we need to, we as a church, we as followers of Jesus need to, to see, immerse, and then, and then contend and, and work toward restoration. We need to do what we can to help, um, help, I don't know, change, heal, restore this very, this very, broken system this very big mess that we're in right now so if if we have an opportunity to um to talk to our congress people our 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 representatives to um to write letters to go to marches to go accompany somebody to um their their check-in their ice check-in or whatever like we need to step up as the church and we need to um 
we need to be in partnership with our immigrant neighbors because they're children of God just as we are. Yeah, I, I thank you so much. I agree. I, and I think one of the best first steps is see, right? Mm-hmm, is right. like is develop that perspective and that more healthy worldview of what people are going through so that we can have the empathy and the compassion to want to do something. And mm-hmm. I think that's what this trip kind of inspired. Tobin, would you would you share a little bit how maybe this opportunity could be kind of built in to some PPC vision kind of elements? Yeah, sure. It's, you know, this being able to see and immerse yourself in a different world is always jarring, uh, but it's jarring in a good way. So it is part of what we hope to be able to do regularly. And there will be more opportunities for folks to go down and see and immerse, uh, again, to notice what they've noticed, to set everything that they think they know about everything. Um in order to just experience life from a, a radically different perspective and lens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Mindy, Mindy said a lot of really, I mean, everyone here said a lot of really good things. I, I'm pretty sure when God created, when I read the biblical text, the narrative, uh, he creates the earth and calls it good. He creates human beings and calls us very good. He, People create borders. Mm. God doesn't create borders. I mean, that's the whole notion of the gospel of, of God and Jesus Christ, that it, it doesn't, m- none of that matters. I mean, can you imagine God saying to us, you know what, you don't have the right papers, you, mm. c- you can't come to church. Mm. You can't, you, you're not welcome here. Mm. Come on. Yeah. Right? I mean, but that's, that's really the lens in which people see this through, oftentimes. Mm. Um, and I, I, you know, it's astounding if you really, if you really want to be a literalist about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, that's the power of the kingdom of God. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. So we want to make this part of our regular rhythms and offerings uh, here at PBC. And, and uh, I'm sure other folks, uh, once they go, they'll take it back to the, wherever they're about to and, and want, want to see that. Simple yet profound transformations taking place at an individual level, um, but more than that, even at a communal level, uh, because there does come a time when, when one has to contend uh, as one, one seeks restoration. Uh, restoration not from a political lens, but from a kingdom of God, Jesus, people matter lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, that's a difficult transformation but yet yeah. so powerful when it happens. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I yeah. like that. That's um, There may be borders and walls, but uh, God's love and our command to extend that goes through those things as if they don't exist. And we love regardless of papers, legal status, where they live, how many times they've been removed from where they live to where they came from. Uh, we love them anyways. I want to thank you both uh, for being here on the show. Mindy, is this your first podcast this ever? This is my first oh, podcast. Oh, sweet. You listen I to know. so many podcasts. Right? I listen to a lot of podcasts. Cool. Yeah, yeah, man, you're a natural. You are. Thank you. You're the Mindy Podcast coming soon. <laughs> uh, yeah, so th- uh, thanks everyone for listening. Um, you can listen uh, to this and the sermons uh, here on iTunes. Make sure you share this podcast uh, with those in your community and your neighbors. And uh As always, please check us out here at uh, 9.30 on Sunday mornings, soon to be 10, starting June 17th uh, here at PPC. We'll see you Sunday mornings at 10. Thanks so much for being here, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks.